This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is none other than Derek Roddenbeck. He is an artist and he's looking to increase his revenue. If you want your chance to enter and to win 100 bucks each Monday on the show, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444. Top Job, you are listening to episode 284. Tune in bright and early tomorrow morning to hear from Finn Kelly, where he answers the question, what if an accounting firm was built specifically for young entrepreneurs? Wait till you hear what he's doing. Top Tribe, good morning, good morning, good morning this morning. Our guest today is Todd Tresseter, who graduated from the University of California at Davis with a BA in economics and a passion for creating successful businesses. A serial entrepreneur since childhood, he went on to build his own wealth as a hedge fund investment manager before retiring at age 35 to teach others. Today, he provides advanced investment and retirement planning education at financialmentor.com, showing you what works, what doesn't, and why based on a depth of proven experience. Todd, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. All right, let's do this. So first things first, you graduated and then you jumped. Did you jump right into hedge funds or no? Uh, no, I had a short stint at Hewlett Packard. I was, um, you have to go back to the day the book was In Search of Excellence, which was a best-selling book. And those were one of the top companies to work for. So I was pretty heavily recruited coming out of college, went over to Hewlett Packard, And the bottom line is I'm not much of a corporate guy. I lasted about six months, even though I produced amazing results there. Um, I got fired. (laughs) I love that. Hopefully they really fired you in front of everyone. It was super embarrassing. Very dramatic, right? Oh, gosh, no. They're way more politically correct than that. (laughs) Yeah, they're scared about you suing them. It's it's all about political correctness, not results. And I'm all about results, not political correctness. Me too. And so anyway, I I produced amazing results. I brought in a couple million bucks that they had been having sit outside. I solved problems they couldn't get solved for years. And yet I turned the office upside down to get it done. And that didn't go over so well. So my next question, I'm going to reframe. You have obviously a lot of experience, you know, doing the hedge fund thing before retiring at 35. Was this your own hedge fund you set up? No, 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 no. There was a, a gray haired old guy. I was a young guy at the time. Okay. Now I'm the, now I'm the gray haired old guy, but... Um, there was a gray haired older guy and, um, he had already got it started, but wasn't really taken off. And we got introduced and I was already doing research in the area and we just totally hit it off, had very similar concepts, started working together. What was the concept? Uh, everything's quantitative. So it's all about statistical and mathematical risk management systems is the proper way to manage money. And, um, you know, we had just both been developing stuff on our own that was remarkably similar, and we just ran with it. And how much, uh, did, I assume he did most of the fundraising. How much did the hedge fund raise? How much, I mean, how much were you investing? Uh, at the time, $20 million. Okay. And what was your thesis? What were you investing in? Well, it was a bunch of different products. So there was commodities, mutual funds. I had a long, short equity market neutral for 
equities. I did uh, market timing on mutual funds. I did trading in commodities. We were profitable in all of them. So tell me what 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 mind traps I might step on. So I just sold my SaaS company, which which I recorded the whole negotiation and how we sold it uh, back at NathanLacka.com forward slash sold. But Todd, one of the things I'm looking at doing now is I'm, I'm analyzing publicly traded companies well, with market caps at $10 million or lower. And many times these many times these companies went public just for no other reason than the CEO had a big ego and wanted to say he took a company public or she. Uh, and so one of the things I'm researching is if you, what is just this, the pure GNA cost, the pure admin cost of being public on some of these companies is 500 you know, to a million dollars a year just because of all the reporting you have to do. So buying these companies and taking them private, then sucking out the administrative expenses and getting it back to cash flow positive is a model I'm looking at doing. Now, I've researched about 100 companies, haven't pulled the trigger on all of them. But what are potential minefields I might step on if I go that path? I don't know. It's not my field of expertise. So one of the, one of the keys in investing is having, there's, there's a lot of different niches. You're developing a very specialized niche. It sounds like you might have an edge there that might uh, make good business sense. And that's the key. You have to develop an edge that makes good business sense. Um, But you also have to know your limitations. You have to know what you've got nailed and what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest foibles that people run into is they're not aware of what they don't know. Yep. Okay. Well, good. Well, hey, I appreciate you being transparent on that. So why did you retire at 35? Because I could. I, <laughs> I, I wanted to, uh, the, the business had run its course, the hedge fund business. Um, I had learned what I was going to learn there. And, you know, I had already, I, I developed the methodologies by which I still use today. Was it, uh, two, did, did you get paid a salary there or was it just pure two and 20? Uh, well, it wasn't two and 20 back then. See, I was in the very early days, right? So now two and 20 is common for listeners that don't know that's 2% management fee, 20% incentive fee. Um, back in the day, you know, I did this before they were called hedge funds. They were called private placement partnerships and they only got the sexy name of hedge funds later on. Um, you know, there were just different legal structures that we had to operate under in order to do what we were doing. Cause you couldn't do them under conventional legal structures. And so, um, I lost my train of thought though. Where was I going? I was talking, uh, we, you were t- I was asking about how you got paid two and 20 only or not. Oh no, we were straight 3%. I'm sorry. Long winded answer to get to the, the short answer, which was we were a straight 3% management fee. Okay. So on 20, on 20 million raised, you just took 3% of that annually. Yeah. And, and was it, were you the only one working at the hedge fund? So you took all of it or what? Two of us. Okay. Two of you. So you got 1.5% and he got 1.5%. Uh, no, I wasn't half. Okay, got, anyway, he got more, but, but you split the 3% somehow. Yeah, and yeah. again, we raised 20 million. It grew from there. So, got it, got it, got it. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're good at the numbers, dude. You dissect them quick. Well, I mean, I just <laughs> wanted to look, there are too many people out there that just, they make this stuff up. They put self-made millionaire millionaire on the homepage of their website. And then I get them on the show and they don't know any, they don't know any of their numbers. I'm like, come on, like you're full of it. You, you're <laughs> well, a guy. You are, because, you are because wealth is numbers. Yeah, right? you have you want, to. If, it, oh yeah, it's it's a numbers game completely. And if you don't know your numbers cold, that's why I was impressed because almost nobody does. And you're just ripping through the numbers like nothing. I can I can <laughs> tell what you're doing is you're dissecting them asset center management relative to percentage fee to figure out income yep. produced. Yep. It's like, oh, look at this guy go. Man. That is I'm true. That is exactly that. what I was doing. I usually yeah. try to not ask the question directly. I try and like dance around it so I can get it to it by process of elimination. <laughs> How much did you make? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, cool. So you retire at 35. Uh, to teach others uh what uh 
what, what was key? I mean, I imagine at that age, you're really just at that point making decisions based off what makes you tick, what gives you energy. And why did teaching others give you energy, do you think? Well, I didn't fall straight into teaching others. I okay. left because I had done what I was going to do at the hedge fund business. I mean, I got it down to where, you know, I understood that the profits were a result of opportunity within the markets. I had the methodology statistically to extract the profits. And, you know, profits are just a function of sample size in my world. It was, you know, I, I mean, I could work another 10, 20 years and figure out how to make another percentage point or two. What's yep. the point? It's not going to change my life any. And so you reach a point where you've learned what you're going to learn. And then after that, it just becomes Groundhog Day. Remember the movie Groundhog Day? Yeah, I, I don't watch too much TV. What was it about? Well, Groundhog Day, it's a famous movie with Bill Murphy. You got to watch it. It's a okay. cult classic. But anyway, you know, he wakes up and each day is Groundhog Day, like each day repeats. And so it's the same day over and over and he runs into the same thing over and over. It's, it's a famous movie. You'll have to see it. It's really funny. Okay, you have to check it out. But anyway, so it's a joke that I throw around because if, if something repeats over and over, people refer to it as Groundhog Day because of that movie. So um, so if I just stayed there, I would be repeating life over and over to get rid of the analogy since you don't know it. Yep. Um, and so I just didn't want to do that with my life. I mean, what a stale existence it is to have the latest, greatest thing you did end at age 35, you know, and then you still got a whole lifetime ahead of you. And so, you know, we sold the company. We had kind of done what we were going to do. How, wait, how uh, do you sell a hedge fund company? How's that valued? Uh, it, they're valued very poorly, actually. It, the better, the smarter businesses rather than build one, buy one, because they're worth more than you pay for them um, in a nutshell. So anyway... Yeah, if it's stable and it's got good cash flow and it's got good business. Is it literally just a, a, like a, a net present value on the on the cash flows or what? I mean, how do you value yeah, multiples it? of earnings, just like any other business. What is the typical multiple in a hedge fund well, space? I don't know what the, I don't know what a typical multiple is today. And well, I can't okay. I can't disclose what we sold it for, but you know, we sold it for a multiple of earnings. Okay. Um, interesting. And so you know, I went off and uh, lived a dream. I'd always wanted to travel through Europe, but I didn't grow up with a silver spoon. So I didn't have uh, money when I, I had worked my way through college. So I didn't have money going through college to throw on a backpack and spend the summer traveling yep. through Europe like my friends did. And I, I, it was always kind of this thing I wanted to do. And so we sold the hedge fund and then uh, my then girlfriend, she and I got married and put on backpacks and traveled for almost half a year through the Middle East and Europe. I love that. How old are you yeah. now, by the way? You retired at 35. How old are you now? Uh, 55. 35. Okay, 55. Okay, 55. So, 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 so let me... I've been, I've been quote unquote, unemployed for 20 years. 20 years. years. <laughs> I love it. So what are you focused on mainly? Like today, after this podcast, what are you going to go do? Uh, working on my courses. Okay, got it. So on, on financialmentor.com, all the courses. Yeah, yeah. So what I did is I... Originally, the site began as just a boutique coaching site. I was really curious. Could I help people? But this, you know, the short story is that I was getting a lot of questions. Retiring at 35 is quite unusual, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was getting a lot of questions about how'd you do it? And people were wanting hot stock tips and people didn't even know how to ask the right questions. I used to blow it off. I used to avoid the discussion because basically it's lame discussion. People don't really know what to ask. And my wife finally got sick and tired of it and just put me to the test and said, why don't you do something with your knowledge? You know, like you figured all this stuff out. It totally worked for you. Why don't you do something with it? It's like the way you see it is so different from how other people talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I was worried because, yeah, what I teach is kind of unconventional. And I was I was really concerned that I would get attacked publicly. And why would I want that in my life? And it's worked out just the opposite. I mean, I put the stuff out there. I'm like, you know, as you get from this interview, I'm very transparent in teaching how I understand it. And people have really resonated with it. And mm -hmm. so I always gave myself permission. I said, if I got a lot of negative feedback, I would just quit. Right. I would so, just 
yeah tell and I, it's never happened and so i just kept building so anyway i'm sorry i got off track the point is the i was originally it was just to fill a coaching practice and see if i could actually help people and i way overpassed that i mean the coaching practice way oversold i, I haven't accepted new clients for a couple of years now and so now i'm trying to convert it into courses try to put todd in a box yeah go 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 one to many instead of one to one and then way you can influence more people Oh, exactly. And at a better price point, it's, it's a way to deliver way better value for people, help way more people, you know, leverage through technology. It's just a much smarter business model. And I've got the platform now. The platform's financial manager just continues to grow as more and more people find it. And so the the platform's large enough to support a much bigger business structure. So challenge me real quick. So 26 years old for I have a little I follow a very simple math formula. It's, it's actually not that complex, but every, every dollar I earn. I give 10 cents to myself to spend it immediately. Whatever I want to instant gratification, use it. The, nine, the rest of the 90 cents, I just copied David Swenson's model at Yale. Uh, are you familiar with that? Uh, vaguely. I mean, I don't follow David Swenson, okay. but it's going to be a conventional asset allocation because if he published it widely, that's about all he can do. Yeah, I, I don't know what, what you even said, what that means. But what it is, just for the listener's sake, what it is, is I, I basically do 30% in domestic equities and I just do an index fund with a super, super low, what is it, the exchange ratio or exchange rate, whatever that is. No, uh, expense, or expense ratio, ratio. expense ratio. Yeah. yeah. So 30% domestic equities, 20% real estate funds, 15% in government bonds. And then to hedge inflation, I do 15% in tips, treasury inflation protected securities. And then I do 15% in developing world and kind of international equities. And then the last 5% in emerging market equities. So that's how I spend 90 cents of every dollar that that split down. And I'm just slowly building that over time. If I want to be a passive investor, uh, is there anything you would change about that approach? Well, the premise is if I want to be a passive investor, the thing I would change is being a passive investor. Got it. Yeah. In other words, you know, the, the research is clear that 80 percent, 90 percent of your return, depending on which research study you look at um, it, the variance in return is due to your specific asset allocation. What they don't say, though, so that leads you to believe that your asset allocation formula is magical. It's not because the research also shows that you can take the top, you know, 12, 15 asset allocations out there plot them over 30 years. And while they'll have great variance in any one to three year period over 30 years, they're all within one percentage point compounded of each other. Is that even true too of Ray Dalio's all weather fund? Uh, I believe Ray Dalio's is in that study as well. Cause the study, it was by Meb Faber, uh, over oh, okay. at Faber.com. He did the study and he had all the big names in there. So I'm pretty sure Ray's was in there, but I can't say it with positive okay. insurance. Yeah. But anyway, so you know, they're all within a percentage point. There's no magic to the asset allocation. What the research showed is the variance in returns is due to asset allocation. That's because um, 80%, 90% of your return is due to the market risk exposure you carry. And so there's a presumption in conventional asset allocation, passive approach to investing, that you have to accept market risk at all times in order to get a market-based return. And that's simply so you don't. Yeah. That's simply not true. There's other ways to do it that are much smarter. And the thing is, Nathan, your goal, obviously, in building this portfolio is to eventually live off it, right? Well, I'm already, I'm, so I'm, I'm actually already at that stage. So I'm already at that stage. And, and so the reason I was asking you this question is because for every dollar I earn, if I take 10 cents and spend it immediately, of that 10 cents, I'd say five cents of that goes to things like clothes and food and a mocha every morning. The other five cents of every dollar I earn is going towards me just inventing new businesses. And my biggest return in my whole life has been on that five cents. I'm only taking five cents of every dollar, which has been you know, historically my personal highest return. And I'm wondering if I should expand that now that I have a base that I'm living off of. Yes. 
Um, so how's that for not mincing words? Yes. Yeah, I love it. I think I, I mean, um, I don't know why If I you look it. at conventional asset allocation, there's limits to growth. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you have to understand what the source of return is to a conventional asset allocation uh, portfolio. You can look it, just to, you know, you can just look at it from a common sense standpoint. Look at the long-term growth of any of the top managers over a prolonged period of time. And you can see that there's mathematical limits to growth. When you look at your entrepreneurial activities, they'll blow the doors off of that. They do, yeah. And and so why would you be primarily allocating to the lower return or lower expectancy strategy? That just, just doesn't make math sense. Mm-hmm. Not only that, you have less control over it because you're not controlling the risk. The beauty of entrepreneurship is you create your own risk profile. You create your own opportunity. Well, and the thing I worry about is the only reason my first business was successful is because I dropped out of college, even though my parents hated me and said, you should just finish your degree. You're so close. And I said, well, mom, if I have a degree, then I know I have a safety net. I won't try as hard to win my, my entrepreneurship thing. So I, ha- I can't have a safety net. I have to either die or win big. And so part of what I'm worried about is, is this asset allocation model I've created for myself my modern version of a safety net? Should I actually wipe out all of my stuff that I've saved and no. put it all into a new venture because no. then my back's against the wall? No. Um, so one of the things I teach is um, I teach a two-pronged formula. Uh, often I'm working with couples, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'll have one spouse provide the backbone and then the other spouse provide the swing for the fences strategy. Mm-hmm. And so that way heads they win, tails they win. Okay. Either way you win, it's just a question of when, not if. And so what you want to do, Nathan, is you want to set yourself up. So heads, you win, tails, you win. It's, you will get there. It's just a question of how long it takes you. See, I, what I'm saying though is I think it for my personality, I will win bigger <clears throat> if I know that the losses are bigger. I, I think I'm more extent. I have to know that if I don't win this thing I'm doing today, I have everything on the line and that's going to yeah, force not- me to be more successful. Okay. The challenge I would have with that is you're younger and you're not appreciating uh, the reality of uncertainty. Yeah. And so no matter how good you think you are, you're young, you're, you know, no offense to you. Right. But you're a young entrepreneur. And so you're full of ego. Right. I love my ego. I love it. Trust me. Cougars love it. I love it. Sure. Well, you have to be, (laughs) otherwise you wouldn't have the guts to do it. Right. I mean, I'm the same thing. Right. So I'm not, I'm not putting you down anyway. It's just reality. Right. And so you got to be really careful. I mean, yeah, you're good and yeah, you're going to figure this stuff out, but there is uncertainty. Uh, Shit can bite you. And so you've just got to be, you've got to play smart. Um, The game game is just as much risk management as it is uh, uh, how fast you can compound it. Yeah. And so you've got to have risk management. The game is to cr- constantly create higher highs and higher lows. And yep. you only do that through smart risk management. You know, I wish I really appreciate Todd that you're doing this because there are so many entrepreneurs out there that the real way they made wealth is not what they're packaging up now and selling in an info product. In other words, they like to tell a story like I went and I ended up on the streets with nothing. And then miraculously I turned around and now I'm a multimillionaire. When in fact, when you actually study their history, they minimized risk to a huge degree. You know, they left their, you know, $1,700 a month apartment that they were comfortably paying for and lived on the street for a day. So they could ethically say, I lived on the street for a day and they make this stuff up to tell a good storyline. When the fact of the matter is, I think the wealthiest people on earth are the ones that do what you just articulated, higher highs, higher and higher lows. You, yeah, but you know, this is not some magic formula. This is built right into the math of how wealth compounds, right? The wealth, the compounding equation of wealth is asymmetric. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's why risk management is such a principally important concept. What you see, the guys that play it the way you're talking about, what you see them do is end up on the streets. You see them go fly high and then go bust, mm-hmm. right? Like I'll give you a great, Robert Kiyosaki is a famous example where he talks about how he had the Velcro wallet business went really big. And then when the Velcro wallet business ran into trouble, they ended up living out of their car. Is it a true story? I don't know, but that's an example of the kind of stories you hear of people that just swing for the fences without any regard for risk management. So it's almost like you have to continually keep building your base so that your lows become less low and then keep swinging the bat when you're standing on top of that base and swing for grand slam, go from swinging for singles and doubles to grand slams. You're close. You're close. Yeah. What it is, is you, you want to look at it through a set of filters. See, I developed all this because of my hedge fund background, right? Mm-hmm. You, you want to develop a set of filters through every decision that is looking at the risk reward relationship. Right. Because what you don't want to do is take stupid risks that can bury you. Right. So if you look at my history here, like I sold all my real estate back in 2005, 2006. Right. Good timing. Fine. Yeah. Well, back then, everybody told me I was an idiot. Right. I mean, I was literally openly lambasted and told I was stupid for doing it because I sold it outright and paid the taxes. I did not reinvest it, did not 1031 exchange it or anything. And it was because the risk profile was too high on the downside. And I just, I just felt like it didn't make good math sense. People were willing to pay me over twice what I was willing to pay for the same buildings. Why wouldn't I let them have it? Yep. Right. I would never pay what they were willing to pay. And I had a lot of other anecdotal evidence too much for the time we have on, on the podcast, but you know, that we could do it again if you want to talk. But um, the point is that's an example of me pulling out of financial risk at a time when I felt it was too dangerous, right? I got rid of financial leverage and I redeployed my time right? Because my time was being sucked up in running my real estate business into building financial mentor, which is technology leverage, time leverage, and information and knowledge leverage. They're very different leverages to apply for building wealth. They don't have downside risk. Whereas financial leverage, see, one of the unique things of financial leverage is it cuts both ways equally. And that's why it's dangerous. And you have to be really careful how you apply it. Whereas knowledge leverage, it has no downside. Mm, that's fascinating. Well, Todd, I feel like we could have an extremely compelling, interesting conversation for a long time. But the point of the show is to get as much into 15 or 20 minutes as possible. We've done that before we get into my favorite part of the show, which is part of the wrap up. If people want to connect with you personally online, where can they do that? Financialmentor.com. So just as it sounds, financialmentor.com, all one word. And that's my hub. That's where everything is. And for anybody that wants to come over and be part of the community, I give away a free ebook, uh, 18 Essential Lessons of a Self-Made Millionaire. Some of the ideas we talked about here, but a lot we didn't cover. And then um, I also give away a free course, which is 52 Weeks to Financial Freedom. And they get that automatically as a new subscriber and no, they won't get rich in 52 weeks, but it'll explain, a, you know, just a lot of concepts, give the framework, talk about the whole structure, how you go through the process. Okay, Top Tribe, do not forget your chance to win a hundred bucks right here on the podcast every Monday. It's very simple. You just subscribe to the show on iTunes. And then once you've done that, text me to prove that you've done it. My number is 703-431-2709. Subscribe now and text me to enter. 703-431-2709. 
Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, and you came out of nowhere. Your website's growing so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign Sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. Top Tribe, there you have it. We'll link to all that in the show notes at nathanlatka.com forward slash the top 284. Again, forward slash the top 284. All right, Todd, my heart is beating. It's my favorite part of the show. Do you know what time it is? I have no idea. It's time for the Famous Five. Are you ready? Go for right. it. I, I'm walk, I feel like I'm walking into a minefield. Yeah, you but, are. Number right. one. What's your favorite business book? Um, I, You know, recently, I'm not a good guy for platitudes, you know, like the best or the favorite or anything like that. But I did recently read Essentialism. Right now, I'm reading a lot of stuff on marketing funnels. That's which, Greg McCown, right? Essentialism? Yeah, yeah. That book, I thought, was really a game changer for people that are in this business because there's always more, better, different. There's more than you can ever cover, and it yep. gets you to boil it down. So anyway, and I'm reading a lot of stuff on marketing funnels, but it, it's not great. I'm just grabbing tidbits here and there. Number two, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now? Uh, the most recent, I'm not studying one now, but the most recent I studied was Steve Jobs. Uh, read a couple different um, novels, not novels. <laughs> Sorry, his book, his life reads like a novel. Um, you know, read a couple different biographies on him, one better than another. But I, th- I find him a fascinating character. Awesome. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have, like FreshBooks? Um, no. Okay, number four. <laughs> hey, that's a great answer. Because uh, if you tried to make something up, I'd call your bluff and then we'd be in a war. <laughs> All right, number three. Number four, yes or no, are you getting eight hours of sleep every night? Varies. Um, I try to. Um, some, I don't sleep in at all. So it's just a function of when I go to bed, I try to get eight. Sometimes I, I'll get as low as six, rarely under six. Okay. And then what's your situation before the last question? What's your situation? Are you married, single? Do you have kids? Married with two kids. Oh, very cool. Okay. So last question, take us back. You're 55 now. Take us back 25 or sorry, 35 years. What do you wish your 20 year old <laughs> self? Math, I know. <laughs> what do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh, buy more, uh, income producing real estate. I love that. Top yeah. trot. Just the fully amortized, you get, you, by the way, income producing real estate on a fully amortizing fixed rate mortgage. Very important. Do not buy it on garbage loans. Has to be on a fully, because it's just a question of time until you own it. It's a cash flow machine for life. Adjust for inflation. I'm, look, I'm looking at one right now that's a, it's 4.6% interest rate, which I think is maybe a little higher than what I could get. It's 30 year amort schedule, but it's a, it's a 10, it's, I guess it's a 10, 10 arm. So I guess it can go up after 10 years, but it, it caps out. It can't go up more than 2% interest rate wise. Would you, and it ca- it's cash flow positive to the tune of about 12% cash on cash return annually. Would you do the deal? Well, the deals are never the numbers. So if you've done enough deals, you realize that uh, pro forma analysis, the buildings never come out that way. They come out a lot better, or a lot worse. <laughs> Based off circumstances, you can't put an Excel sheet. Uh, you, you do your best, right? What I do when I'm analyzing a building is I stress test the numbers, yep. right? Yep. So I'll go through and I'll stress test the various numbers to see if it can hold up. If vacancy uh, goes to 60%, what happens? 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty stressed, right? Yeah. But anyway. Awesome. Well, Top Tribe, okay. th- there you have it. He went from, uh, again, doing his own thing to the hedge fund world to retiring at 35, now coaching the world on financial, uh, being financially savvy. Todd, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thanks, and sorry about the interruption right at the end there. No problem. Go ahead. Bye-bye. If you guys enjoyed Todd today, go back and listen to Kim yesterday. She accepted a $720,000 deal on Shark Tank on live TV TV, and went backstage and immediately turned around and turned down the sharks. It's unbelievable. Go listen now. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars, and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.